everybody. Welcome to the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by the CLNS Media Podcast Network. I am Evan Lazar, and today I am joined by Mark Schofield once again. Mark, uh, it's for the win now, right? Or USA Today or USA Today Touchdown Wire. I touchdown think wire. I we got so many things over there. I, I forget sometimes myself. I just forget where you, where you're writing because you always write at like ten different places, and I have to keep track. And then I have you on the podcast and look like an idiot when I say the wrong one. And uh, this is pretty much routine. You can listen to all my podcasts with Mark, and it's the exact same thing. Me saying, "Mark, where is it again?" <laughs> that you're at well, now. It's it's better on that end, Evan, than it is for me when I sometimes like write something. I'm like, "Wait, who am I writing this for? Do I have to edit the intro that I just wrote because I'm I think I'm writing for one place and it's actually an article for someplace else?" So. Well, the point is, is that Mark is absolutely everywhere. I'm sure all of you already follow him on Twitter as well, at Mark Schofield, and he does his quarterback breakdown videos, which I absolutely love, uh, and that's what we're going to talk with him mostly about today, Mark, and I think this is where we need to start, because it's where everybody is starting when we talk about the Patriots, and uh, where we're at with Cam Newton right now in terms of the Patriots quarterback of the here and now, and also maybe even looking beyond here and now to the 2021 season even and here in New England you turn on Boston Sports Radio and I'm not trying to pick on those guys but they're definitely talking a lot about Jared Stidham and the possibility of benching Cam Newton for Jared Stidham I think they're crazy but that that's a topic for another day mostly I want to focus on what are your opinions right now about how Cam is playing and how he can obviously improve from objectively what was a very bad game on Sunday against the Cardinals, whether you're a Cam Stan or a Cam hater? Yeah, and it wasn't a great game against Arizona. And Arizona, first of all, I think you have to remember that Arizona's defense is a lot different than Houston's defense. It's a lot different than Seattle's defense back in week two. That Houston game, that Seattle game, those were two games where Cam actually got the passing game going and you felt – hey, maybe they could put together a passing game that could actually be effective. Arizona's young, they're athletic, they fly all over the place. Isaiah Simmons, Buda Baker, like they have some guys that can play. They yeah. do some different things, and they certainly – they were putting eight, nine guys in the box at times. I'm sure, Evan, you saw that as well. I know you have from some of the work you've done. They were basically daring New England, like, go ahead, win this game by throwing the football. And it looked like they couldn't. You know, they got a couple of breaks at the end with a missed field goal and Isaiah Simmons penalty that put them in position to win. But they didn't win that game because of the passing game. But, you know, that being said, I think we all have to sort of take a step back and realize a couple of things. One, as you mentioned, I study quarterbacks. Each week at USA Today, I have to do what we call QB camp, where I put up five of my quarterback videos of the most notable quarterback performances. There are some weeks, friends, it's hard to find five good quarterback performances league-wide. It's just tough. This is one of those weeks. Like, you might get Baker Mayfield in that because there's just not great quarterback play. As Patriots fans, we're spoiled from two decades of Tom Brady where we see the best at the quarterback position week in and week out. But then when you take a step back and you don't have that and you see guys like, you know, Derek Carr and his high-variance play or Baker Mayfield and his high-variance play or look at Carson Wentz. I mean, talk about somebody that's regressed. He's regressed all the way back to his senior year at North Dakota State. Quarterback play is tough. And right now we have a quarterback that's high variance. So that's one thing I think we need to remember. The other is this. He came in late in a strange year in the midst of a pandemic with no training camp or minimal training camp, no minicamps, no OTAs, no preseason games. A tough, complicated offense to run that has so many different moving parts. You've read the playbook. You know Evan. 
every route has like six different variations I've based tried on the coverage. Yeah, it's it's hard. There are some playbooks that are easy. It's like, oh yes, this makes sense. Bruce Arians playbook. It's kind of easy. Nothing yeah. really changes. Uh, Josh McDaniel's New England Patriots playbook. It's like quantum physics for me. Like yeah. I just I can't figure it out. And so to try to do that in the midst of all of this is difficult. So with that context, I think you know if you want to get into the whole Jarrett versus Cam debate, I don't really think there is one. Because as you pointed out this week on Twitter, Bill Belichick has seen Jared Stidham now for almost two years. He's seen him every day in practice. If Jared Stidham was going to be the answer to what fixed, to what ails this Patriots passing game, yes, he would play him, but he's not. So that tells you what you need to know about Jared Stidham. I was on Jared Stidham Hill right before they signed camp. I remember I wrote the piece that said, look, Jared Stidham's the planet quarterback, everybody, and I'm so glad I snuck it at the end. Well, look, if they can get Cam Newton for cheap, sure, that'd be great. But Jared Stidham's the planet. And then two weeks later, they signed Cam Newton. Cam right now gives them the best chance to win games. Is it through the passing game most weeks? Probably not. You know, this week might be a get-right opportunity. Um, but if, you know... If for the 2021 season, I still think Cam has done enough to earn the chance to win this job with a full complement of training camp, preseason, all that stuff. Are the things he needs to get better at? Sure. Are the mechanics great? Absolutely not. Do they matter? Sometimes they actually do. But right now, he's the best shot they've got week in, week out to win games. So there's so many things I want to follow up with you on there. The first thing I want to mention is just your first point about how we were spoiled. And I think we, people get defensive when we say that and, and they get angry at us that we say that they were spoiled. It, it's true though. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, I went and watched that 2019 playoff game against the chargers uh, yesterday to see what exactly they did schematically offensively. And I'm watching Brady and this is at the peak of his powers, just absolutely surgically tear up oh, yeah. the Los Angeles chargers defense. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, this guy is just so freaking good. <laughs> and there's insane. I was on a Buccaneer show yesterday and Bucks fans are getting a little angsty about the passing okay. game. And I wanted to be like, kids, yeah. calm down. All right. Yeah. Because all you're doing is giving Tom Brady ammunition. Let's, we're recording this Thursday morning. Tom Brady just recorded and narrated a hype video for Lipscomb Academy in Tennessee, Trent Dilfer's team. They're about to play in the national championship, in the state championship game. And in the first sentence, Tom Brady says, I was picked 199. Yeah. It's not 2005. It's 2020, almost 2021. And he's still driven by that. This is a guy that is driven to be perfect. We were spoiled for 20 years. It's okay to admit that. We haven't seen quarterbacks with this level of precision. Peyton, Tom Brady, like they're, they're different breeds and we were spoiled by that. We should be thankful we had the 20 years we did. Right, exactly. And I think the biggest thing is what you mentioned about the variance of quarterback play. Here in New England, we were so used to the quarterback just being great all the time, right, on one wavelength all the time of, of just continuously being consistent. And even in a bad Brady game, his bad was usually still better than a lot of other quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. So that's what we're accustomed to seeing. The other thing that we're accustomed to seeing, and, and one thing that really stood out about that Charger playoff game and why I brought it up, was the footwork, 
the mechanics, the clean throwing motion, uh, his feet always pointing towards his target, the, the precision in which he got the ball out, the accuracy in which he got the ball out to the short part of the field. You know, there's going to be situations in this Chargers game when they play a lot of cover three defense that Josh McDaniels is going to flood the middle of the field and he's going to get low receivers, you know, underneath receivers open by sending guys up the seams and sending the guys up the shoe and then clearing out that coverage for a Jacoby Myers or someone to fill in in the bottom. And Brady, it's just off the back foot and out. It's off the back foot and out. And the ball is in a spot that the receiver can then do something with it after the catch. Cam Newton doesn't necessarily do that on a consistent basis. That's not really his game. And if you go and you actually look at some of the advanced metrics within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, he has a worse on-target percentage than he does on passes over 10 yards because he's actually better at pushing the ball down the field and he feels more comfortable doing that than throwing the short stuff. So not only does he not have the picture-perfect throwing mechanics that every high school coach in the country has teach tape of Tom Brady to, to show their high school quarterbacks, their 16-year-olds are watching, hey, this is this is it at the peak. This is the yep. piece of resistance. This is the Mona Lisa of quarterback mechanics, right? And Cam Newton's does not look the same. He's not as proficient in those underneath throws. He's not as good as leading receivers into yak. You know, in that Chargers game, Edelman feasted on over routes, crossing routes. Oh, yeah. He's, Cam is not as good at, at anticipating those over routes coming open and throwing Jacoby Myers into space where he can catch and run with it. It's just not his game, and, and that's okay because when you look at the Houston game, he does do things well passing the football down the field, eye manipulation, arm talent, all that kind of stuff. It's just not the same as what we saw with Tom Brady for 20 years. So it's a much different look. The other thing is, as you mentioned, Cam's mechanics, and I think because we were so spoiled by Brady's great mechanics, Cam's bad mechanical throws really stand out thumb to us when we see his, you know, his feet not pointed in the right direction or his hips open early and all these types of stuff or his, you know, shoulder flies or whatever. And you look at all these things and you say, okay, you know, from, from a coaching standpoint, from a mechanical standpoint, this is ugly, right? This is why his accuracy is sometimes hit or miss. But I wanted to ask you that specific question. When does it matter and when does it not matter? Because I think that that's really key because we can break down several Cam Newton throws where he has poor mechanics, but one week it mattered and one week it didn't, you know? And I thought against Arizona, for the most part, it, it kind of waned on him as the game went on. But I thought for the most part, he threw basically with the same platform as he threw against Houston. The ball just didn't necessarily end up in the same spots as it did against the Texans. Yeah, and and that's the critical point, Abby. Like, you know, uh, not to bring up Patrick Mahomes, but I think he's a good example of mechanics mattering and not mattering. Because when Mahomes was coming through his draft cycle, a lot of people said pre-draft, oh, his mechanics are a mess. That will never work in the National Football League. And that's when I started saying mechanics matter, don't matter until they matter, okay? What that means is as long as the ball gets where it needs to be, what it needs to be there, and it puts the receiver in position to have success after the catch, I don't care how you throw it. And if you look at Mahomes, look at that game against Tampa Bay. He had that jet vertical route to Tyreek Hill off of an RPO mesh where his feet were all over the place and just flicks it like sidearm, and it's right on the money. So that doesn't matter. I don't care how he throws it. It got to where it needed to be. But if the ball doesn't get where it needs to be and it hurts the receiver's chance to either make the catch or get yardage after the catch, and it's because of your mechanics, then it's a problem. 
And there are examples of this. Like if you go back to the San Francisco game, early in that game, that missed third down on the check down to James White, the throw was low. White didn't get a chance to catch and make a move, and he stopped short. The ball placement was off because of the mechanics, and that's when it matters. When throws are missed and it's because of the mechanical issue, whether it's he's stepping in the bucket or like you showed, you know, like you just said, the hip opens early, the shoulders flare open, that's when it matters. So in the Houston game, when the mechanics are shoddy but the ball is still getting where it needs to be, that's good. That's fine. We can live with that. But it's when it prevents the rest of the team to have success of where the throw is placed and it's a mechanical issue, that's when it matters. I know the question, the follow-up question from everybody is, well, can you fix it? Yes, but it takes time. But with Cam Newton, he's been doing this for a long time now. And so at some point, the mechanics are what they are, and you have to find a way to work within them. You know, how many times do we hear Blake Bortles, you know, when he was in Jacksonville? Oh, he's fixed the mechanics. He doesn't have that big dip and loop now. He's been working on it all training camp. He's looking great. First drive, he gets blitzed on 38, and the loop comes back. It's muscle memory. Like, when you're at this point in your career, it is what it is. You can tinker and refine things, but muscle memory will take over. So you have to find a way sort of conceptually within the offense to make it work, get guys open, accept the limitations, accept that on perhaps some of those over routes, you're not going to get yak. So make sure you get what you can on the design. You know, on some of these check downs, you might not get a ton of yak. So get what you can with the design and work with the quarterback to maximize the opportunities that he presents, given some of these mechanical limitations. Right. Because with Brady, you know, and I hate to keep on comparing it back to Brady, but I think that that's, even if people don't realize it, I truly feel like that's what they're doing in their heads as Patriots fans. Because they're saying, hey, in the past, when we've checked the ball down to James White, he's caught in the ball and then ran with it. Or in the past, when we throw the ball to Julian Edelman, he's caught in the ball and then ran with it. You know, why don't we have that anymore? And a lot of it has to do with just, you know, maybe the throw is just a little bit behind him or it's a little bit late or it's a little bit low or it's a little bit high. You know, that screen pass at the final drive of the game against Arizona, you know, Camp throws it over James White's head and basically the entire play is null and void from that point on because the pass was off so the two other things that I think are really key with accuracy that uh, quarterbacks coach Jed Fish kind of told me a few months ago I asked him you know what makes an accurate quarterback? Is it just mechanics or is it a bunch of things? And he said, decision-making and timing are just as important as throwing mechanics. And I think if you could see, you know, Cam's decisions for the most part, I I think have been pretty solid basically for the last four or five weeks. Uh, You know, I know we can nitpick at some of the interceptions and stuff like that that he has thrown, but one, you know, for last week was a batted pass. The other one was more about being late and Demir Bird being held at the top of the route than anything else. And I think that when you look at a lot of the the timing of a lot of these throws, if the ball was coming out on time, then I think that they would be in the right place. It's just the ball is coming out too late, and he's, you know, leading a guy a little bit too far, or he's throwing a guy a little bit too much inside and when he's supposed to be outside. And if he had thrown it right right when he was supposed to, then maybe we wouldn't run into these accuracy issues. Uh, Before we move over to Herbert, who I'm really, really impressed with, and I think Bill Belichick's pretty darn impressed with, too, based on his comments. Uh, You mentioned that this could be a get-right game for Cam Newton. Josh McDaniels knows this Chargers scheme. He knows how to draw it up against this Chargers defense. We saw him do it against Seattle's defense. It's the same scheme. So... Cam should have success. My my question to you is is that they play obviously cover three. I think it's about forty percent of the time they do it more than almost any team in the league. Three de- uh, three deep, four under most of the time. 
they're begging Cam to throw the ball short on that coverage, right? That's not a coverage that you normally succeed throwing the ball down the field and making big plays off of. So I think the question is then is, is does Cam have the proficiency under 10 yards to pick away at a defense like that? Or are they going to have to find ways to scheme it up that he can push it down the field? Yeah, and I think, you know, the fact that they play like cover three, it's not like the old Seahawks cover three where it's press coverage on the outside with the Legion of Boom days. It's more your traditional Steelers type spot drop cover three. You know where the guys are going to be. You know, what's a bit of good news, bad news is like you said, Evan, you know, they play it more than anybody else. They've given up 26 passing plays with a gain of 20 yards or more and an intended air yards of 10-plus. That tells you that the scheme is a factor, not like yak or screen or something like that. And 14 of those big plays were in cover three. Like, they've given up some big plays in that coverage. The problem is, from New England's offense perspective, those types of gains on offense have mostly come against cover one because teams are stacking the box and they're trying to stop the run. They've had only five plays like that with that level of success against cover three. And two of those were against Seattle with Newton throwing to Julian Edelman, who we know right. is not on the roster right now because of the, right. you know, the injuries. That being said, though, there are ways to sort of make plays both underneath, provided Cam can put the ball where it needs to be, and scheme up some stuff downfield. I mean, we all, as Patriots fans, we love Haas wide juke, right? It's like one of our favorite. We all know it. The C routes up the seams from the slot receivers, hitch routes on the outside. That's one of your standard cover three beaters. Now, you know, I'm sure Josh McDaniels will have that on a play sheet. Wouldn't be surprised to have him call it like early. Maybe it's on the script at 15. You know, that's a way to scheme some stuff up deep. They like Yankee concept with the over and the deeper post route. That high lows the middle safety. So you can scheme some shot plays downfield. So I think they'll take some opportunities to try to scheme up some stuff, hit some stuff downfield, maybe soften that, de- soften that defense up a bit. And you'll need Cam to hit on some of those underneath throws. I mean, you watch that divisional game against the Chargers. You know they hit on maybe one or two throws downfield, but a lot of it was those over routes off of play action. So if they can get the ground game going, soften up that front, linebackers start thinking about creeping downhill, you hit some of those overs to Jacoby Myers, you can have some success throwing against these guys. And like I said, this could be a get-right game. Um, You have to worry about Bosa, obviously. Um, but there could be some plays made in the passing game against this Chargers defense. Yeah, and, you know, McDaniels talked on Tuesday, and you could just hear in his voice when he was talking about the Chargers defense. He's like, I know these guys. You know, I, I got these guys figured out. So I really don't think this is going to be any sort of issue. I know McDaniels has come to under fire a lot with some people. This is not going to be a schematic or a coaching issue where the game plan no. sticks against the Chargers defense. Thursday right? night, though. Thursday yeah. night might be. That's the defense yeah. we got to worry about, friends. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't want to think about that yet. Neither I, do I. Neither you do can I. worry about what? Joey Bosa and not worry about Aaron Donald and all those guys uh, just yet. Let, let's move over to Herbert, who his, he's really impressive. I mean, I know the team's three and eight, um, but, you know, really when you watch him on tape, I think the biggest thing that really stands out to me from his college days is how poised he looks right now in the pocket under pressure. I, I, I think that that was not something that you saw at Oregon his last season there. So great poise under pressure. Even when he is making errant throws off of pressure, it's, it's usually just ball placement issues, not decision making issues or getting flustered by pressure or anything. 
anything like that. You know, just sometimes when the guy's taking you down when you're making a throw, the ball's not going to go where you want it to go. That's just obvious. So uh, what what have you seen from Herbert? Because uh, Bill Belichick has just called him outstanding, called him, I said the quarterback's been outstanding this year multiple times. He, he has praised Herbert's play, and you can tell that for a rookie, Bill is really impressed. Yeah, and he should be. And you're exactly right, Evan. The poise under pressure, the pocket mentality, the pocket awareness has been the biggest sign from him. And not a lot of people, I don't know, anybody not named Herbert that said that that was going to be a strength of his coming out of Oregon. We didn't see that on tape. I've talked to people that played against him, coached against him, prepared for him last year in the Pac-12, and they all told me, like, look, this is not the guy we saw. Like, and I know a lot of people that, you know, cover the draft, cover the quarterbacks coming out, cover the NFL said, you know, the Oregon offense did him no favors. He's throwing tunnels and bubble screens and all this stuff. They really didn't ask him to do a ton. Maybe you wonder right now, looking back, should they have asked him to do more? Because he's certainly capable of it. You know, his poise under pressure, you know, showing him cover zero blitz looks, exotic blitz looks like it doesn't phase him. He moves around extremely well. He's big, he's athletic, throw well on the move. He's going to give them some problems. This is an offense that's going to give them some problems. Keenan Allen is a fantastic wide receiver, and I'm very curious to see, and I know we'll probably talk about who they might you know, use on him. But Herbert's been great, um, and teams have struggled to confuse him. Now, there are ways you can do it, which I'm sure we'll get into in a second, but he's that rare breed of rookie quarterback where you can't just say, we're going to do what we do because we know it's going to be good enough, Right. You have to show him different looks. You have to actively game plan for a rookie quarterback, which is pretty rare in today's NFL. But Herbert has been, you know, one of these stories, I think, in today's, this, this NFL season. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, Joe Burrow's hurt, too, has been hurt. But you look at that class, all of a sudden it looks like Herbert might be the guy that's yeah. going to end up having the best career out of all of them. I know it's early. It's way too early to kind of make that proclamation, but we're heading in that direction. The one thing I also remember from uh, we had you on to talk about the quarterbacks uh, back in probably March or something like that. And we talked a lot about throwing off of leverage um, with young quarterbacks. And we were talking about Herbert and doing that in college. And that's exactly what I've seen him be able to do. Yeah in the pros with Keenan Allen, with Hunter Henry a lot on those like Y option type of plays. Um, And also, Austin Eckler kind of being sort of his safety blanket and when there you do throw a zero at him or you do throw some sort of pressure look at him it's usually Eckler out of the backfield that's kind of like you know his safety valve the guy that he goes to so when we get into matchups I, I want to discuss those two guys but in terms of throwing off leverage just what explain what that is because I think it's really important in this game because they run so many what appears to me like leverage-based option routes in their offense where Keenan Allen is kind of opening up towards the side where the defender is not or Hunter Henry is doing the same thing. Yeah, and it's one of those things that I think rookie quarterbacks or younger quarterbacks coming out of college I think have to have a good feel for because, you know, we all get excited when we're studying quarterbacks in college. We're like, oh, he's seen the safety rotation. This is great. He's reading cover three buzz, and it gets us a chance to show that we're pretty nerdy about distinguishing cloud or sky coverage or whatever. You don't need to do that. Like, just yeah. see where the nearest defender is and then throw away from that, but put your receiver in position to make a catch. It's all that ball placement stuff we were talking about with Cam. And, you know, you mentioned Hunter Henry and some of those wide option routes. He had a throw a couple of weeks ago where it was a third and long situation. Hunter Henry just basically runs past the sticks, you know, to make sure he can get the first down. He's isolated against the man coverage defender, and he just shields him away and 
Herbert puts the football to the outside shoulder away from the nearest defender, away from that defender's leverage, and they move the change, and now it's a, now it's a first attempt. You don't need to diagnose the coverage if you can just see the nearest defender, see his leverage, get on the same page with the receiver, and throw away from that. It's the same like you mentioned with Keenan Allen. They will run slot fades with him. And they'll turn them into back shoulder throws, you know, at any level of the field. Or if you somehow get an outside leverage, he'll put it on the inside. And that's something that Herbert did extremely well at Oregon. And I think, look, Shane Steichen, Pep Hamilton, they deserve a ton of credit. I know there's a lot of questions about Anthony Lynn and his future um, with the Chargers. But Steichen and Hamilton deserve a ton of credit because they're catering this offense to what Herbert does well. And they're having success doing it. And leverage reads are one of those things. And for a team like New England – that likes to play a lot of man coverage. You know, they've worked some cover three in a little bit more than usual, but they're still a cover one heavy team. You know, a quarterback that can read leverage and throw against it could be a problem. Right, and uh, the one play that stood out to me was the touchdown to Keenan Allen against Buffalo on the goal line. And it's just Keenan Allen is – it looked like Brady and Edelman. You know, Keenan Allen is kind of running that little option route, that little stick route where he's going to just open off the leverage and his back is still to the quarterback and Justin Herbert's already loading up the pass because he knows he's just going to break outside. Keenan Allen breaks outside and he throws it right into a tight window right on the goal line for six. And you just look at those types of plays and you say, okay, that's a quarterback that that gets it. You know, he understands how to beat coverage. He understands where, uh, you know, the, the coverage is going to be and how to throw away from the defender and, and throw off leverage and all that good stuff. Uh, I do want to talk about the Miami game plan against Herbert because yeah. usually that's what I do is if the Patriots are going to play a team that the Dolphins have already played, I just go back and look and see, hey, what did Brian Flores do against this guy? And uh, that was probably Herbert's worst game as a starter outside of the first game against Kansas City, which I think you can kind of throw out as seeing that the situation that he was in to be playing in that game at all. But in terms of the games that he's started in fully and and, and kind of had you know his whole week of preparation and stuff like that, that Miami game was the worst one. And you mentioned kind of changing up the coverage on him. Uh, Brian Flores played nine different coverages in that game. Yeah. And it was a lot of cover three and a lot of one and a lot of zero, but it was a lot of different things that they would kind of spun the dial on Herbert. And the one like kind of distinctive thing was that they didn't give him a clear look pre-snap of what the coverage was going to be post-snap. And that was the very first time I would say in any tape of Herbert that I've watched was that Xavier Howard interception was the first time he didn't throw off the leverage, maybe in any of the throws that I saw him make over the last month. Yeah, and then that, you know, if you're interested in sort of diving into what Belichick might do, definitely watch that Miami game. I'm so glad you brought that up because, first of all, Flores is doing a great job defensively. I mean, the week before that, I mean, he made Jared Goff look like a rookie, you know, with some of those cover zero looks. But what Flores did that was so great against Herbert was they would disguise them. They did such a great job of disguising a priest now. Miami is like one of those teams. We're seeing this more in the league right now where we always say, oh, use motion, get yourself a mad indicator. Defenses are like, okay, we'll trail the motion priest now, and then we'll drop into zone. So now you're having to recalibrate your expectations. Miami did some of that and really confused Herbert. And they showed you that, that zero look, but on the Howard interception, they showed that cover zero look, but they dropped it to straight cover three. You know, it was sort of this spot drop type cover three that we were talking about earlier. And Howard's just reading his eyes, like through his nearest receiver to the quarterback. And Herbert might have been confused, might have thought it was zero because maybe with where he put that throw, maybe he thought it was zero. 
And Howard jumps it. And it was a great job of disguise, great way to sort of confuse a rookie quarterback. And, you know, spinning and, you know, rotating your safety to the snap is one of the ways to confuse him. You look at last week against your Buffalo Bills in that Bills game, the Trey White interception, they Same showed there. him too high, too high right. before the snap, drop it into a three buzz. Herbert, I don't know if he saw it or if he did, he thought he could sort of get that over, that bending route left to right to Henry. But Trey White is on the backside just reading his eyes, and he jumps it. And that was another play where they used motion. It didn't matter because he's thinking one thing. They spin the safeties. He gets bit, and Trey White made a great play. So you can rotate your safeties and confuse him a little bit, but you're going to have to do some different things. You know, you can't just line up and play cover one and say, yeah, we've got this. You've got to try to confuse him. Well, a big reason why he can't do that is because he has some playmakers there on the outside that are tough to deal with. And I would assume that Stephon Gilmore is going to draw the Keenan Allen assignment. That that just kind of seems like it makes sense. Uh, but Allen is a guy, you know, I asked Gilmore this yesterday. You know, he plays a lot in the slot. He's targeted a whole lot. So it's, you know, really targeted more, I think, than any other wide receiver in the league by a landslide right now. So it's going to be a lot of action for Stephon Gilmore if they do put him on Keenan Allen. Uh, that would probably mean that J.C. Jackson might get Mike Williams, and I think that's probably a pretty good matchup for J.C. But the ones that concern me are who gets Henry and who gets Eckler, and what do they do to kind of scheme it up with those two guys? Because Henry's the type of guy that, you know, I love Kyle Duggar as much as anybody, but he has had some trouble in man coverage against tight ends when they do make him do that. And I, I, Henry's not necessarily the most explosive guy that he will face. You know, Mark Andrews, uh, even um, last week against, uh, or uh, two weeks ago, I should say, he had some trouble um, with the Texans' tight ends. Uh, Aikens is definitely a guy that I think is faster just in a straight line than the guy like Henry is. But Henry does those option routes so well, and he's able to break at the top of the route so well. I think that, that could give Duggar some issues. So I, I think we can assume that Allen and Gilmore are going to see each other a lot. But where do you go with Henry? And, and is he kind of important enough, do you think, I guess is my main question, to maybe even bracket him a little bit inside and, and maybe send some multiple coverage uh, type of looks at him? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think this is a game where you're going to see a lot of sub-package stuff. I mean, you're going to see a lot of, you know, Adrian Phillips on the field, a lot of Duggar, a lot of, you know, Terrence Brooks on the field. And you might see a lot of situations where you've got two of those three, Brackett and Hunter Henry, because I do think, you know, Keenan Allen is great. Mike Williams is great. These are, these are good receivers, but I'm comfortable with leaving Gilmore, leaving Jackson on islands with those guys. Like, they'll make some plays, sure, but I think for the most part, those matchups are ones that can be handled by those two defenders. You know, Hunter, Hunter Henry does scare me, especially when you yeah. see, and like you, look, I've been very impressed with Kyle Duggar. I think he's gotten better as the season has gone on. You know, this was supposed to be a caddy season for him. He was going to carry Patrick Chubb's clubs, learn right. how to play. Right. And because of the opt-out, he's been, you know, thrust into the action. And he's had trouble, like you said, against some of these tight ends, even back to Darren Waller. Waller had some plays against him, too. Um, so I think you will want to sort of bracket him. And I think, you know, whichever one of those three doesn't help on Henry is probably getting Eckler out of the backfield. Like, I don't, I don't think we want a situation where it's Juwan Bentley and man coverage on right. Austin Eckler. Like, that's not where we want to be on Sunday afternoon. So I think you see a lot of sub packages. I think you do see some brackets on Henry. You know, try to take that away and make them throw to a more favorable matchup for New England and then use one of the other sub defenders on Austin Eckler out of the backfield. That might leave you soft against the run. I mean, so be it. But I think you pick your poison and you want to take away some of what they do best. And that's, as we all know, is Belichick's MO. 
Yeah, it really reminds me a little bit in terms of just the game script and philosophy of that Buffalo game because the Chargers throw the ball more than any team in the league. You know, they really yeah. want to put the ball in the air. Similarly, the Buffalo, especially on first and second down, was a very aggressive passing team. And they go and they played the Patriots a month ago and they ran the ball a pretty decent uh, amount with Singletary and, and Zach yeah. Moss. And I do, you know, Eckler in this offensive line for the Chargers, I think Lawrence Guy and Adam Butler would have their way if they try to run the football too much against the, the Patriots. And uh, I don't think that this Charger offensive line, still based off of what I've seen, hasn't really improved all that much. And I think that's probably the weakness of this Charger offense, if there is one in the passing game, because they are they're seventh in DVOA as a pass offense right now. They're a very good yeah. pass offense. But if you can kind of take advantage of one thing, it's probably dialing up the pressure, whether it's actually blitzing or only sending four, but kind of simulating pressure with, you know, the creepers and stuff like that. That's a way I think you can kind of make life difficult on Herbert is that as much as he is good and poised under pressure, again, if you're getting hit while you're being you know, thrown or you're getting, you know, you have to scramble and throw or you have to move off your spot and throw every quarterback's accuracy from that point on, you know, declines a little bit. You know, no one's perfect under pressure. So I think that's really where the Patriots need to go is that Arizona script, even though Kyler's a lot more, you know, mobile and, and his legs are a lot more of a factor than Herbert's legs. Uh, Herbert can can move a little bit too. Uh, I, I think that that sort of formula for the Patriots, with a lot of different pressure looks up front, coming at you with cover zero blitzes and bailing out of them, and you know, running five man pressures that look like five man pressures that end up being four man pressures and stuff like that is really where the Patriots defense needs to continue to live. I, I think that that's what they need to continue to do because they're not going to be a defense where you just, we're just going to rush four guys and get home. You know, that, that they right. don't have the individual pass rushers to continue to do that. And I think that that was the most frustrating part about the Houston game plan was that they really thought that they could get home with Winovich and Dietrich Wise and just rushing four guys at the Texans offensive line and the Texans offensive line to their credit blocked them all pretty much the entire game so if you're going to be able to get after Herbert I think you're going to have to dial it up a little bit more creatively uh, like they did against the Cardinals and I kind of hope that that's what we see out of this Patriots defense for the duration here yeah I hope so too and I think what we saw in that Arizona game was what could be the start of something good which was rush land integrity you know, yeah. and I, I think everybody, every Patriots fan was looking at this schedule when it was announced and you saw Russell Wilson, Mahomes, Watson, Murray, and you're just like, Josh Allen, you're just like, man, these are all mobile quarterbacks, which have traditionally given Patriots a bit of difficulty. But you saw whether it was Uche, you know, staying home when Kyler wanted to spin away, whether it was Winovich getting his hands up on that tipped interception, whether it was Winovich just staying with Rushland integrity, you know, not giving Murray the chance to get to the edge, get outside of those scramble drill situations where he could be so effective. That was a great thing to see. And you're going to want to do that again because Herbert is also very good at throwing on the move. You look at a touchdown he had a couple of weeks ago, rolling to his left, finding Keenan Allen in the back corner of the end zone, Throw and move into his left as a right-handed quarterback, which is very impressive. He can make plays outside the pocket, off his structure. You don't want to give him that chance. And so you're creative up front. You scheme some stuff. You show those creepers and those that simulated pressure like you talked about, which I think is a great thing to do. And then when you get a chance, you know, yes, sacks are great, but don't give up sort of the edge. Don't let him get outside of you. Keep him in the pocket. Don't give him a chance to make a scramble drill throw. You know, sometimes that's more effective than get him trying to get home for a sack losing contained and now you've lost the numbers advantage. 
Yeah, that's something that the Patriots defense talked a lot about last week going into that against Kyler was making sure that they had rush lane integrity. Obviously, they wanted to put pressure on Murray, and they, they did put pressure on him a little bit. It was still actually PFF only had it at about a 27% pressure rate, which I was surprised about watching the game live. And and it felt like it affected Murray more. You know, it felt like yeah, he was yeah. more rattled than, than a 27% pressure rate would s- suggest. So maybe it was, you know, maybe it was a little bit of him seeing ghosts at, at some points, you know, of him seeing those cover zero looks early and then thinking that they were coming later in the game when they really weren't coming, you know, that, that type of thing. Um, but I, I think that's a really great point about rush lane integrity being important for them moving forward because they have gotten some pressure on quarterback this year. But too often, guys like Deshaun, guys even like Lamar, for, uh, a couple of times was yeah. able to kind of just sidestep it or or kind of you know see the open pocket of space to his left or his right and kind of just move. You know, Deshaun is he was so good in that game. He's he, so he, good. This yeah, year. he just literally you know he would just see Winovich coming. He'd be like, oh okay, I'm just gonna you know side to the left and then just reset a little bit and throw it right down the field. You know, and and that that's that's. I think something Herbert can actually do even as a young quarterback. So, um, excuse me. I'm really fascinated to see, uh, how Bill Belichick takes from that Brian Flores game plan, does his own little spice to it. I'm sure as well, cause you don't want to show Herbert probably the same exact game plan again, when, that he just saw a couple of weeks ago in week 10. Uh, I'm sure he'd probably be a little bit more ready for it this time around. But, uh, Mark, uh, thank you so much for coming on with me. Uh, I love talking quarterbacks with you always. Uh, and then just in general, but uh, where can people find you, read you, anything you want to tease coming up? Well, Evan, thanks so much, man. I always have a blast when we get a chance to chat. We could probably go for hours and feel like we could go for hours on this one, too. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Like you mentioned, USA Today, Touchdown Wire, uh, Pat's Pulpit, Big Blue View, Blue and Green Nation. Uh, but the easiest way is on Twitter at Mark Schofield. And I can't recommend it enough, especially Mark's uh, weekly quarterback breakdown videos. Mark, I- I don't know if you if you notice it every week, but in my Patriots game plan, I always take your breakdown video of the opposing quarterback that you've done recently and uh, and for me. So why? why That's what I'm doing, man. I'm just trying to do the work for everybody else, so everybody else can focus on their stuff. To my own soliloquy about Justin Herbert, when I can just say, "Hey, here's everything I think about Justin Herbert in one spot," and you can all look at it there. on Mark's Twitter. So it makes my life a lot easier, honestly. And it also prevents it from being like 4,000 words every week because, you know, I could, I could probably break down like six Herbert throws and we'll be there all day. So it definitely helps with uh, condensing the information as well. So I really appreciate that. We'll definitely have Mark on again soon. I know a lot of people are probably hoping we were going to talk about the draft quarterbacks with we'll, Mark. We'll today. get to, we'll get we'll to get that. There. We'll get but there. I will say, Watch this week at BYU, Coastal Carolina, Zach Wilson. Just keep your eyes on that one, kids. That's all I'm going to say. I know. A lot of people talking about Mac Jones to New England, Alabama ties. Zach Wilson might be a guy that more in their range of the draft if they don't make the playoffs. You know, I I don't know if Zach Wilson is uh, going to be a top 10 pick, but, you know, guys like Lawrence and Fields and maybe even Lance are probably going to be out of their reach. So maybe Wilson's the guy or Lance is the guy that ends up falling, you know, to the early teens and is able to be somebody that Belichick can get his hands on. But based off the beginning of this podcast, I don't think we're quite ready to uh, close the book on Cam Newton on this show, at least. I think other shows are, are ready to pull the plug because 
because of one bad game, but uh, I think we're going to stick it out a little bit longer. But on CLNSmedia.com, you can find my Patriots game plan. I just mentioned will be out on Friday. Uh, we will have wall-to-wall coverage on Sunday. Unfortunately, not in L.A. I was really excited to go back to L.A. and be at this game, but we can't do that this year, obviously. So we'll do it from home, uh, pre-game, post-game, during the game. Check it all out on CLNSmedia.com. And we'll be back next week, as Mark mentioned, to break down the Los Angeles Rams, which is going to be a really fun one. I think of Super Bowl rematch that I'm sure Sean McVay and Jared Goff had circled on their calendar as soon as that schedule came out of when they could maybe get a little bit of revenge against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So we'll be back next week to break that game down on the short week. But until then, signing off for my guest, Mark Schofield, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for listening.